Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matty Peverell, the host of the show that likes to put you on the minds of Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, um, Art Rooney II, and the rest of the Steelers front office as they look to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond, a roster that I always like to say should be competing for a seventh Lombardi trophy, a roster that's two and four on the season so far. But hey, we got a win over Tampa Bay 28-20-18, and hey, like it was something that a lot of people weren't predicting. A lot of people thought we were going to have another poor showing after being beaten comprehensively by Buffalo the week before. Uh, but hey, Stills got a win. And so on today's show, we'll do our usually usual, I should say, retain a change. It's causing me a lot of problems today. Um, but we'll do our usual show where we talk about the rookies on Stills' side of things, how they perform, the rookies on the Miami side of things. But in part one of this week's show, I wanted to look at really how are the Steelers going? Are the Steelers actually able to defy the odds? Are they defying the odds this season? Now, yeah, they got belted, absolutely belted, smashed, um, you know, in week five against the Buffalo Bills. Then they won this week. That was one of the biggest margins. Um, They were like over 14 um, points out in the spread against the Bills. And obviously the Bills smashed them by plus 30 um, or 35 there. And then this last week, they're about nine and a half, I think, before the game, depending on the money line with different or the spread between different, you know, odds makers. So that kind of got me thinking. And I think I saw something in the BTC Slack from Jeremy Betts about how it was the biggest um, upset in terms of the spread or the season so far. But before I even shared that, I had been having a look um, at some of the stats and I wanted to sort of see actually how difficult um has the season been for the Steelers so far just from the strength of their opponents and the margin of victory? And so, look, I can convert, like I can tell you, and obviously the 35-point loss has a big, you know, a big bearing on this um, because it, the, the Steelers right now, um, you know, have conceded, um, you know, almost the mo- like they're in the lowest five in the AFC. KFC, KFC, I'm having a great show today. Uh, KC have actually conceded three more points, but Pittsburgh are in the worst five in the league, conceding 146 points. But if you look at the margin of victory, the Steelers are the worst in the league at minus 8.2 for their margin of victory. Now they have two wins. You know, there are teams in this league that only have one win on the season so far, and the Raiders, Texans, Lions, 
a lot of teams with two wins as well, which obviously the Seals are part of that group. But they're the worst team in the league there. Um, and from that margin of victory, the Carolina Panthers, it's seven, it's minus 7.2. Um, Tennessee minus 4.4 on the AFC side. Then Miami at minus four. So that's interesting from the Miami perspective, but they were scoring something like, I think 28 points before Tua was out. Now they've averaged like 16 since he's, since he, before he was out. Yeah. And then 16 since he has been out. Um, Detroit Lions minus six. Washington Commanders minus, minus 5.5. Arizona Cardinals minus 4.7. Um, so it gives you sort of a sense of how the bottom looks across the AFC and NFC. I say, you know, the Steelers um, obviously have the, the thing that skews that out it is a, a 35 plus point loss. But as you can see there, there, there's a bit of headway for the Steelers to, to come forward. But at the same time, if you look at the strength of schedule across the league as well, the highest, it's really weird because like the NFCs are super low. Like their highest for the Dallas Cowboys is 1.7. The lowest is San Francisco Giants at minus 46. The, and, and this is based on the simple rating. I'm doing this based on the, um, simple ratings system. You, all the fans, you're used to that. Anyway, moving back to it, strength of schedule. So obviously, um, you know, the higher, the, the higher it is, the harder it is. Um, and so the highest strength of schedule in the league right now is Miami Dolphins with a 7.6. Baltimore Ravens at 6.4, Pittsburgh Steelers 5.5, Cincinnati Bengals 2.8, Buffalo Bills 2.1. But notice that there, the 5.5 for the for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then you think about the teams that they've played so far um, already on the season. Like they have played the Bills uh, already. They have played New England, um, who are th- who are three and three, I think, on the season so far. They have played, yeah, three and three. Um, they have played the Browns, who, who did beat them. They have played the Jets, who were looking pretty good as well in terms of how they're performing uh, this season at four and two. They've, they've had to, they've lost to the Buffalo Bills, who are five and one. Um, they did beat Tampa, um, so that's put them in a better light. And the Bengals are atop of the AFC North um, with three wins and three losses for a fifty percent record. But basically, there, as you can see. Um, from the from the strength of schedule perspective, the Steelers have been up against it, um, and the run home will get easier. I mean, look, we do have the Eagles in Miami, and we'll get to that. Um, but as I say, on the NFC side of things, you know, the AFC is much is much stronger right now in terms of an overall conference. There's a team with five wins. Um, I mean, obviously, Philadelphia's you know got six wins as well. Um, on the NFC side, Minnesota has five wins. New York Giants have five wins. Um, but you've got a lot more in the in the three bucket. Um, in, in in the AFC and in just in terms of the way the opponents have shaken out. And also remember the AFC, you know, those they've you've got teams that are playing other teams in the division multiple times. Um, so it starts to even out, but then when they go up against an NFC team, things change. But anyway, I just thought it was interesting in terms of the strength of schedule um in this league. And then and when you look at the teams that the Steelers got have got to face down the stretch on the AFC side. Indianapolis Colts are minus 0.4 um, strength of schedule. You've got Las Vegas Raiders minus two. Um, so these are some of the teams that are playing an easier schedule but aren't doing very well. Uh, so Carolina Panthers, they've got to play. They've got a strength of schedule minus 2.9. They're one and five on the season. So there's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of reason for the Steelers to keep defying the odds. Um, now, if I think about that, everyone sort of said if we could go into the bye after seeing the first few weeks of the season you know, two and six, three and five, that'd be fantastic. Now we've already got the two wins. It's about finding one against Miami or Philadelphia. Obviously the easier ask is probably Miami. 
but you know, this is the sort of one with the Steelers where they lose Miami, go out and show up against Philadelphia. I want them to win every game. So, you know, for, from my perspective, it doesn't matter. I just prefer them to win every game. But, you know, if you are going to bet with your money, you're probably going to say that it's going to be probably a, a better proposition against Miami. Obviously, you've got Brian Flores who you know, was in their team last year, knows that team inside out. I don't want, I don't think, I think there could be a lot of hyperbole around whether, uh, the, you know, the difference that Flores will make. Um, but if I look forward in terms of the season right now, I mean, yes, you've got Miami who are three and three. You've got the Eagles who are six and oh. But after the bye, we play the Saints who are two and four at home. We play the Bengals who are three and three at home. Now they lead the AFC North. We then play the Colts, who are three, two, and one um, right now, who have looked really bad when they're bad and looked pretty fairly decent when they were good, but they're relying on some, you know, a few key players still. Um, but they are number one in AFC South. Then you got the Falcons, who are three and three, who I always thought was going to be a bogey game, but they seem to be winning gritty. Um, Carl Pitts finally, you know, scored a touchdown this week. So the joys of all those fantasy over, um, owners that drafted him and then he has not performed. Then you got the Ravens at home, three and three um, on the season so far for them. So just blow the Bengals there in number two in the AFC North. Then we've got the Panthers who were coming last in their division. Um, South. Um, then you got the Raiders one and four in the AFC West. We play them at home. Ravens three and three away, and then we've got the Browns at home. And the Browns could be doing anything at this stage, even with Watson back. So, still fans, if you look at this, the Steelers can get to seven or eight wins. Um, now, is eight wins going to be enough? Maybe not. It's not a positive on the season. Do you think they can get a winning record? Mike Tomlin is probably up against it in getting his first losing record. He probably is. They're going to need a bit of luck to fall their way. And they're probably, probably going to have to win both of the games before the bye. We'll go on an almighty great run, um, dropping maybe one at home to the Ravens in the second half of the season. But they can get... I do see a path to eight wins. I do see a path to eight wins. Definitely see a path, path to seven wins um, along the stretch. So I just keep the faith, Steeler fans. Um, keep the faith. You know, for those out there that are like, tank, 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 get a high draft pick. No, that's not how we play the game. Um, and you never know what's going to happen in terms of those draft picks and who's going to be injured and, you know, in the lead up to the draft and all those sorts of things. Like DeMarvin Leal. He was meant to be a top 10 pick. So I was talking about this stage, you know, he, well, he was drafting the third round at this stage. He's probably playing somewhere more like a second round pick um, from what we've seen limited from him. But that wraps up part one of this week's Steelers War Room. Join me for part two. We'll talk everything Steelers rookies. We'll talk everything Miami rookies. Then we'll close out the show. And we're back on Steelers War Room. I'm your host this weekly show, Matty Peverell, the host of the show that puts you in the minds of Mike Tomlin, Omar Khan, Art Rooney II, and the rest of the Steelers front office as they were to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond, a roster that you'd hope could compete for a seventh Lombardi trophy remains to be seen this season. So this was a big week for some Steelers players. Um, we had four rookies, um, by my account, that participated in the game. Let's start off with Mike Robinson. Finally got a hat, five special team snaps, 18% of those. Nothing more to note there. 
Um, perhaps he's working his way into the roster with a few injuries. A lot of people wanted to see more of him, uh, particularly with Spillane having to do some coverage roles. Spillane, you know, not perfect. Did okay. Caught out by Mike Tomlin. He obviously did what the coaches needed him to do. Um, but this is what, as I say, this is a rookie show, so we're not here to talk about Spillane. Um, but nice to see Mark Robinson make his way into um, the, the the playing side um, during the season after some, you know, interesting performances in the preseason. We then have Jalen Warren, running back, who's proving his real worth as an undrafted free agent out of Oklahoma State this season. He had um, an interesting game with, you know, one one rushing, two rush yards off um, two rush attempts, average of one. Not much more you can really say about it from that perspective. No passes. Um, I thought it was interesting against Tampa. We previewed their version of, of him and Rashad White, who did pl- get a couple of key um, snaps um, in the game against the Steelers in the end. Um, as well. But yeah, I mean, Jalen Warren played 36% of the special team snaps, 31% of the offensive team snaps. You know, from a stat perspective, they don't look like much on the rush yard side, but he is a good pass blocker and contributing in that way. And that I think is really important as well. Um, so, you know, that's that's really what you want out of an undrafted rookie. You want him to be able to contribute. Um, and, you know, Najee Harris had some good runs on the day when he, when it was needed. Um, you know, Jalen Warren's still averaging 4.6 yards an attempt on this season from 21 rush attempts um, for 96 yards. So, you know, he's not going to win you your fantasy league each week, week in, week out, but he is someone that's contributing for the Steelers. And it could be really exciting to see what he's like in 2023 as well with a full off season behind him. Then you have Connor Hayward. Now, Connor Hayward definitely showed up um, in this game three Three targets, two receptions, 49 yards, average of 24.50 yards per target of 16.33, catch percentage of like, you know, two-thirds, 66 plus percent. Uh, Had a really great catch on the day as well um, with the 40, with the 45 yards. Um, So that's, that was his long there. Um, Otherwise the other pass was for four yards. So pretty incredible play for him. Got the steals in a position. I think that was a key down for them to win the game. Obviously, played 47% of the team's offensive snaps with 30 um, with thirty snaps. He played over half the team's special, ta- special team snaps. That's a mouthful um, when you're struggling with your S's. Um, with 15 of those snaps for 54%. I think it's interesting with Connor Hayward, too. If you look on the year so far, he's played 65% on special teams, 14% offensive snaps. Um, interesting to see how Frymuth comes back from his concussion. You want to see that tick up. To, I would love to see him finish the season with 25% of the offensive team snaps, particularly because I'm not the biggest fan of Derek Watt. Um, and those special team snaps are definitely a healthy contri- contribution. And, you know, he's someone that I think I see staying on this roster. He's someone that's going to develop um, as well. Then we have George Pickens, uh, wide receiver, obviously very notable wide receiver there uh, out of Georgia. We're all, we're all excited about him. He had three receptions of six targets, for 27 yards, that's an average of nine, 50% catch um, percentage this week. Uh, yards per target was 4.50, one rush for one yard. Not much more you can say about that. Played 83% of the offensive snaps, no special team snaps, which you kind of expect. He's only played one special team snap on the season so far. Um, just an update, I mean, number 14's had 77% of the offensive snaps. Pretty good. Pretty good for a second-round rookie. Obviously, Claypool had a good day. Um, you know, and that, and perhaps team, you know, Tampa was focusing a bit more on Pickens. Um, but I, I think Pickens is going to be a key body 
down in Miami this week, an absolutely key body and certainly a key body going into the Eagles game for this Steelers team. Uh, and again, particularly if Kenny's coming back, he's going to play off the concussion. Uh, he's going to go to look to one of his favorite targets on the season so far. Then the previous two games where Kenny finished the second half against um, the Jets and played the full Buffalo game, he had six receptions off eight targets and had over 80 yards in both games. And you know what? That's a good segue into Kenny Pickett. So Kenny Pickett. Um, now, Kenny Pickett obviously is in the concussion protocol. He had 11 completions from 18 attempts at 61% for 67 yards, which gave him a yards average of 3.72. People were really worried about him throwing short versus what they saw out of Trubisky. The thing for me about the, the way Pickett had to play was that obviously you have a fast Tampa defense, I think he was probably a bit restricted. I do want to see them open it up. Whether they do that this week, they'll probably look for him to just have a quick, clean game, get him out if he's playing, get out of Miami nicely, not take a shot. And as Mike Tomlin said as well in the post-game press conference, the offensive line has got to be able to block for him to be able to take the shots. And we saw how many penalties Dotson got. Like this is a, you got to remember an NFL offense and NFL defense just as much as I like to talk about complimentary football on this show and other shows, particularly Touchdown Under, that's that's sort of all a machine that flows together. So is an offense and a defense. You know, you cannot... It's why everyone criticizes um, the offensive line for run, the running for Najee. It's why, you know, having a good secondary helps you up front. It's why helping up front helps you have a good secondary so you don't have to worry about coming in and making tackles. They can worry about defending the pass um, or, or, you know, being that second line of defense. Or third, or really third line, as you go through past the linebackers, depending on how they, those safeties come down into the box. But the point is, is this goes together. Um, and so, and also not setting the Steelers back with penalties will really go a, a healthy way to improving. And so while he had his lowest completion percentage on the season so far, while he had his lowest number of yards, obviously it's hard when you get taken out, um, halfway, about halfway through a game. Did have one TD, his first TD to Najee Harris of all things, his first throwing TD. Um, so that was quite cool. He was only sacked once. Um, he did have some nice rushes, I thought, uh, there as well. He obviously, they were two for 16 yards, but he had that one where he really, you know, went down the middle of the field, but slid, did the right thing. Um, so that was really important from my perspective. And also, as I say, he was only sacked once, quarterback rating of 87, uh, which I think is. Really, really, it's a pretty decent number to get up there into the 80s. It was 65 in his, in, for the half that he played against the Jets, and it was only um, 74.8 last week. So he's improving by a quarterback rating standard. He's looking good. Just want to see him play another full game with the Steelers team firing, not the Steelers team having a bad day um, as well. So, look, I mean, he played almost 60% of the offensive snaps this week. Um, again, well, all this past week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you just hope um, that he can play 100% of snaps this week and lead the Steelers to a victory to be three and four going into the Eagles. Um, and then it, they're kind of, I think, you know, apart from the Eagles that are six and zero, you'd be a pretty hot team, um, you know, and outside of the Bills and the Chiefs to be going in off a two-game win streak in this league, the way it's shaping up so far on the season. All right, moving across the fence to the Miami side of things. The first player we're going to look at is Channing Tingle, a linebacker. And he was taken in the third round. People are thinking third, fourth round for him. Um, there, I think it was the fourth or fifth linebacker off the top of my head taken in the draft. Um, and he was drafted out of Georgia. 
Um, so obviously that familiarity um, behind, you know, obviously it was with Nakobe Dean, but that familiarity uh, with George Pickens probably went up against him in training a little bit. He's played special teams on the season so far, mainly a season low of 11% of those special team snaps in week one, a season high of 46% in week four. He played 26% of those last week. He's only played four defensive snaps on the season so far, where he's had one tackle in week five and one tackle in week six. So nothing like crazy of note in terms of Channing Tindall, but he's a pretty fast guy at linebacker with a 4 4 7, um, 230 pounds. He's a pretty tall guy. He's 6 2. Yeah, 6 2. That's what they've got him on at Pro Football Reference. He wears jersey number. Uh, he was just a number. I lost it there. Yeah, 41 um, for Miami. And I think you will probably see him in this game. And this is sort of game where he could prove to be one of those players the Steelers don't have a lot of tape on, but prove to be a difference maker. Then you have Skylar Thompson, uh, quarterback. So obviously he played a little bit last week. Um, he played, I think, most all the game against the Jets where they lost 17-40. In that game, he completed 19 um, off 33 at a 57% completion rate, 166 yards, one interception, quarterback rating of 58.4, two sacks um, for eight yards. Uh, last week against Minnesota, where they lost 16-24, he had seven completions off 13 attempts for 53.85 percentage um, yards. He had 89, quarterback rating 75.5, no interceptions, no TDs, Sacked once for eight yards, had one rush for nine yards, um, and played 31% of those snaps. So I think Brad Bridgewater, he came in for Bridgewater, if I remember, so it's been correctly. Um, no, the other way around, the other way around, um, which was quite interesting. But team, fans wanted to see Skylar Thompson. I know that they did. I saw that on the Miami side on social media and stuff um, in the week leading up to it. Um, but Skylar Thompson, I guess... Probably won't see him this week. You probably imagine Bridgewater's the backup to Tour if Tour is playing um, there. Scott Thompson's kind of an interesting one as well. Played at Kansas State, had a bit of notoriety in the draft, was a seventh round draft pick. Um, I think he had a higher draft stock in my mind than Oladokun, but Oladokun was taking five picks. No, Oladokun was taken later than him. Um, so, you know, it's kind of interesting to see that, you know, a play like that actually getting some time in the league, um, so far and so early on, but such is their injury woes so far on the season. Um, but yeah, Scott Thompson, we should see what contribution he makes. Um, but yeah, I mean, good for him that he got his, uh, a start last week. Then we've got a guy called Kader Kohu, um, out of Texas A&M and he went undrafted. He's a player I wasn't really aware of until I put up the team. Um, 5'10", 195 pounds, um, a cornerback there. He has played, he wears jersey number 28. He's played in five games on the season so, so far, started in three. Um, so he played in weeks one, two, three, four, and five. Um, obviously, Miami um, have, don't have had their buy yet. Um, but he, and he didn't play last week, but right now on the season so far, he has actually made quite a decent contribution. Um, so he has, um, combined tackles across that right now. He's got 21 tackles, two for a loss, no interceptions, two pass defenses, one force fumble, um, which had in week one against New England. Um, and he's played on the season so far, 67% of the defensive snaps and one special team snap for 1%. Um, but kind of interesting in terms of the, what we call the advanced defensive stats, um, he's allowed 20 completions on 29 targets at 69% for 233 yards. That's an average of 11.7. Um, 
yards per completion, eight yards per target, one TD, quarterback rating of 104.5. Um, he allow, has allowed 156 air yards with an average depth of target as a defender of 9.4 um, and his yak yardage of 77. Um, he has missed 16% of his tackles, four out of um, 25 that he's 21, sorry. Um, so he's got 21 tackles and he's missed four tackles on the season. So yeah, 16% is a pretty high number uh, in this league. So, you know, if they can, Steelers can get a nice matchup on him. I mean, I'm thinking a guy is 5'10", guys 5'10". Um, I don't have his 40 time, but, you know, against a Pickens or a Claypool or even a Freymouth, um, it's a guy that could be, you know, really exposed. And I'll be interested to see if the Steelers look for an easy matchup um, there or a, or, a, or a favorable matchup, let's just say that. Then one of the rookies that I would hope to be able to talk to you about, because they didn't have a big rookie draft class. We know all the trades that Miami did, um, was Eric Uzenkama, um, the wide receiver out of Texas Tech, six foot three, two twenty pounds, big body, runs a um he didn't run a 40 yard time at the combine. Um so it was interesting. He was actually picked um with the pick that the Steelers traded with Miami for for Loudermilk in the previous year. So Eric could have been a Steeler, um, but Isaiah Loudermilk starting to prove his worth as a Steeler as well. So um, I think we'll prefer Loudermilk at this stage because this guy hasn't made his way to the field. Um, so yeah, kind of interest, interesting from that perspective. Hasn't played from the preseason. Then you've got Tanner Connor, um, who's a tight end, six foot three, out of Idaho State, undrafted rookie. Um, if my research shows me correctly, two hundred and thirty-two pounds, so more of a receiving sort of style tight end, um, potentially big H back. Um, he's played really minimum offensive snaps this season. He's only played nineteen, which is six percent of Miami's offensive snaps. He's played fifty-two percent of their special team snaps um, on the season. He's had three targets. And no receptions. Um, so not that great for him on the offensive side of things from contributing. Um, you know, but he's 24, where's jersey number 48? Uh, so you might see him on the weekend, um, at least on the special teams side of things. Hopefully we're not seeing too much of him um making plays as that, you know, um depth piece at tight end and special teams player. So with that, that brings you to the close of this week's Steelers War Room. Um, but look, I think what I really wanted to recap, like Steeler fans, and we talked a lot about this on last week's touchdown under that I do with Marky Davison. It's live on YouTube on a Friday night. And then of course it goes to air on Sunday. So it acts as a bit of a pregame show. It's about really keeping the faith, Steeler fans. Uh, this team, we got to, to enjoy the, as I said on Sunday, to enjoy the highs, you got to write, ride or die with the team through the lows. And it really sucks. It does. It's hard. I mean, I'm an international fan. I had to wake up at like 4 a.m. to watch games. And it really sucks. It was so good this week to watch them win. I felt good all, all day about it. Um, you know, and, and you should feel good anyway, no matter what happens in your life outside of the Steelers. But, you know, it just was that extra little icing or cherry on, on top of the cake. Um, but as we go into this week against Miami, it's going to be an enjoyable game. They've got a cool coach. Um, I think he's very funny. I obviously don't like the way that Brian Flores was ousted from that organization. But Steelers have got a chance. The Steelers are not hopeless. The season's not lost. You know, we're six games in, uh, 11 to go. It's going to be hard, but there is 11 games to go where the Steelers can actually do something and at least come together as a team for a better net year next year. You don't want them tanking. You don't want them getting used to losing and winning at less than a handful of games. That breeds, 
you know, a losing mentality. And we want next year to be a solid year. We want guys like Cam and TJ to get Super Bowls before they retire. Ogan Joby's been great. We want him to re-sign. We want free agents to say, hey, I'm going to sign with the Steelers. I can do something. Um, we want draft picks to be happy when they're drafted coming to the Steelers. We want to get the we want to make sure we hold up the pride in this organization. Imagine if we can go through a rebuild and win seven or eight games in a season. That's a great season for some other teams in this league. And sure, as a Steeler fan and as a supporter of the Steelers organization, nothing is successful if it's not a Super Bowl. But the reality is there's one team that wins that every year. Maybe you can agree that um, AFC Championship games are a decent success to celebrate. But we're way off that. So we may as well stick along for the ride, support them through these lows to get ready for the highs, um, and let's just hope they can do it sooner rather than later. Um, but keep the faith and watch the Steelers. Let's see if they can defy the odds. Um, you know, the odds are that, as they say with rules, they're there to be broken. Uh, and let's see how the Steelers can do it in this, like, sort of mini two games, this sort of like two game stretch um, before the bye, this sort of little, you know, two game short stint that they've got to get through. But with that, that wraps up this week's Steelers War Room. I'm your host, as always, Matty Peverell. Go, Steelers. Yeah.